This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Ronnie Martin, how are you, brother? Hey, brother. I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. It's Easter week. The cliche of Easter week is that it's like one of the busiest ministry weeks of the year. I don't know if I completely buy into that altogether. Well, you got to put the helicopter. you got to purchase all the iPods and iPads. Don't forget about the flat screens and the bicycles, which could be really hard. Yeah, now, you're, you a, you're a motocross guy. Have you ever thought about riding a motorcycle up onto the stage or the platform before you preach? Oh, we do it every Easter. Oh, okay. We do it every Easter, and we also drop motorcycles out of the Motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, you probably need a big waiver for such for yeah, a maneuver absolutely. like that. Riding really a motorcycle dangerous. out of a big paper mache tomb might be the way to go. Nah, Imagine oh, how much it? cooler... Oh, I am imagining how that. how imagining, much yeah. more quickly could the early church have grown if Jesus had busted oh, out man. of that tomb on a yeah. on a Harley Davidson? We're looking to double our attendance <laughs> after the motorcycle stunt yeah. the following week for sure. Hey, I'm excited yeah. about Easter because, and people are listening to this after Easter, so that'll be weird. But I'm excited about it because this is our first time in five years i think to gather with our with our church so Mm. for three or four years in a row every easter becky and i were in australia because i was doing this easter conference that was every year they just kept asking me back yeah and so we were always doing easter weekend in tasmania and then last year that canceled and so we were going to be home and then but of course our church didn't gather because of covid which was brand new then so this is the first time in like five six years that we're able to that you've yeah, been to home. gather with our local church. So I'm, I'm you're really actually excited. being a legitimate member of your church That's and gathering right. with them on Easter. Be, That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and even one of our daughters is still at home to do Easter with our family, with our daughters. So to have you know Easter yeah. dinner after church and all that. Oh, we man. haven't done that in a long yes. time. Absolutely. Um, as well. So we're pretty excited about it. We're talking nice. about friendship today, pastors, and that sticky complex subject of pastoral friendships and maybe we'll just start with kind of this question i don't know if you've had this experience or heard this i'm sure you have but anecdotally and just experientially it seems difficult for pastors to have close friendships and i've heard from a number of pastors over the years who have said it's hard to make friends in the congregation but also it's just it's a lonely vocation very often why is it difficult, if you agree that it is, but why is it difficult for yeah. pastors to have or, or maintain friendships, close friendships? Because we all like know people and we're friendly with people, but yeah, to have, sure. you know, compadres, compatriots alongside us. Yeah. Why is it hard? I know. I wish there was like a great magic answer for that. There's something specific to the nature of the role 
that I think makes it hard for people to want to get close to pastors in, in, in a friendship kind of a way. It's almost like I think it's hard for people to, to kind of detach the nature of the role from us as people. So when they look at us, they think, man, he's the preacher, he's the prayer, he's the person that is, when I'm standing around them, I'm waiting for them to like drop either the Bible verse or some nugget of wisdom or some critical thought or opinion about some way that I'm living my life that I should be doing better at. And I think a lot of those sound funny and cliched, but I think that there's a general uncomfortableness about people thinking, hey, there's a pastor, that's the guy I want to be buddies with. And I don't know if there's just something inherent in what we do in that we're instructive by nature as, as pastors, and we're calling people to something constantly. And I don't know if there's just something inherent in that that causes people to repel a little bit and pull back, or they feel like friendship with a pastor is a risky proposition. Because, man, am I going to be able to be myself Or are they constantly going to be judging me and thinking things about the way I should be living my life that I'm not living? I I just wonder if there's something that's almost impossible to break. Okay. So your approach would be that people maybe standoffish about being friends with a pastor because they don't know how to connect or they feel uncomfortable about people being some kind of religious authority or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's that's probably part of it, I would imagine. Mm. See, yeah. in my experience, I've had a few who wanted to be friends with me because I was the pastor. I think there's, there's that, that too. too yeah. there. And, right, absolutely. And that rarely works out because it wasn't someone who was interested in me per se or who cared about me, but they saw some kind of benefit to themselves or got some kind of validation themselves out of being close to the pastor. Yeah. And I think those are people that are looking, so they come into a church and they see an organization and they see the pastor as sort of the, the CEO or the most important, the VIP, the most important person. And for them, it's, I mean, that's the mindset, right? Like, I want to get with the guy that's in charge here, the guy that everybody's looking at the most and hearing from the most. So they're attracted to that position of authority and power in a way that says, if I'm with him, maybe I get some of that. Yeah. I get to reap the benefits yeah, of that. Yeah, they see it maybe as a position of influence of some kind. Yes, that's a better word. Yeah, yeah for or, sure. Or, yeah, you're right. Or, or they see it as somehow advantageous to them spiritually or, yeah. or something like that. I've had guys who had past experience or past friendships with pastors who now are trying to kind of replicate. And in fact, I remember a guy even saying that to me at my last church, I was really close with the pastor and was an encourager to him and so on and so forth, which, which sounds great. But I realized like he needed this relationship. He was trying to kind of replicate or recreate something and, and you can't build a real friendship on that. And so consequently, I always felt like, he was kind of a taker or kind of a, he was a needy person. And and obviously a real friend isn't someone who never needs anything from you, but it was based on his idea of, of our friendship was based on some template or past experience, which now he was establishing a connection with me based on him needing something from me constantly to provide or, yeah. or to be for him. And it had almost something to do with me, Jared, as a person, it had to do with, yeah. I was the pastor and Obviously, that wasn't a friendship that 
was life-giving to me or, or helpful to me. It was a, another kind of taxing sort of relationship. And it was almost kind of, almost kind of manipulative, even if he didn't mean it to be that way. Yeah. So my question for you, I'm curious, like what kind of pressure did that put on you? Because you knew at that moment you were going to disappoint him because there was already something about it that you could detect wasn't going to go to the level that he wanted it to be at. So what kind of, I mean, what did that feel like when, when he presented that to you? Well, at first it, it, it sounded good because I didn't have a whole lot of friends locally in that particular oh, context, okay. yeah. at least people that were close. I was friendly with a lot of people, but I didn't have someone that I could kind of be myself with. And, but I was kind of excited about the prospect of it and interested in it. But over time I realized he's more, wanting to be in a relationship with the idea of me, which, which yeah. as you said, it could just means I'm always on the verge of disappointment or on the verge of disappointing him. Absolutely. And I have to, I have to decide, do I want to maintain this sort of idea that he has in his mind or can I be myself? And if I can't really be myself with you and disappoint you even, then we're not really friends. To me, that's kind of a, a given of real friendship is that we can actually be ourselves Absolutely, with, yeah. with those people and, and they love us anyway. They love us. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. And, I, and it makes me think that there's always something, and I think this is a red flag for a lot of pastors, when somebody new comes into the church and they lead off with their experience from their last church, specifically with the pastor of their last church. And I'm telling you, I feel like there's a caution in me, whether it's a good or a bad experience. Yeah. Because you just feel like, okay, well, you're, coming in with a particular set of expectations instead of just coming in and just seeing what the Lord provides for you in this new context. There's something about you needing to replicate something that you experienced at your last church. And you're just, it's a different church. It's a different group of people. God might have something really amazing here, but it's probably not going to be an identikit version of what you had <laughs> right, at the right. last place. And so you immediately just go, oh man, like at some point, He's going to find something about what we do as a church or who I am as a person that's going to create just some some angst in him. And we're gonna this is a, this is a future conversation that I'm that I'm I'm already anticipating having. Now again, that's I don't know if that's that that could be a fear in me that automatically pushes me that pulls me into the margin so that I can't. I'm not even allowing there to let that be something somebody comes in with honestly and then say, well, maybe we can be friends. I wonder if our sensitivity as pastors kind of puts us at a disadvantage because it's like, oh man, this doesn't go well so many yeah. times. Well, yeah, you get burnt by people. So yeah. I, mean, I can think of another friendship where we were, I think, genuinely friends. And then I had to kind of put the pastor hat on because there was an issue yeah. that had come up that needed pastoral uh, addressing. And it changed, in this guy's mind, it changed the nature of the relationship. Like I was changing the rules, basically. And, you know, I had to remind him, like, we're, yeah, we're friends and I don't want that to change. But I'm also your pastor. And being friends yeah. doesn't mean that we get a free pass on sin in our lives or dysfunctional patterns and lack of spiritual growth and things that really need to be addressed, whether disciplined or not. And when I was now having to do the right thing in his mind, it was like, wait, we're friends and friends means that you don't yeah. do those, you know? So even his definition of friendship was wonky. But then when I actually had to be the pastor and it just reminded me of how it's, it's very difficult 
to do friendships as a pastor and why so many pastors struggle with this kind of loneliness. So let's talk about friendship just generally, like how it happens and what's the mm. nature of it. Don't you think there's like a chemistry or something like yeah, when totally. you think back and think of the people that have been your longest or best friends, that usually wasn't a function of you or the other person just selecting each other and saying, you're my friend now. We're going to, I mean, I guess sometimes it might work that way, but I mean, when you're six years old, maybe, maybe, but even then it's based on some kind of affinity, right? Like C.S. Lewis and the four loves talks about friendship beginning where you say me too, right? There's yeah. something that you have identified. There's a kinship based on some affinity. You enjoy the same sort of yeah. thing. I mean, one of my longest and best friends I've known since sophomore year of high school, he was best man in my wedding. I was best man in his. I mean, we've known each other going on 30-some years now. And that began like he was wearing a T-shirt of a rock band that I liked. And, yeah. you know, we spotted each other in, in in PE. And it was such an obscure band. I was like, you like them? And we got to talking. Yeah, he so was a funny. believer. and But we just clicked. I mean, that conversation could have gone no further than, oh, we both like the same band. But there yeah. was something that that clicked for us chemistry wise, relationally friendship just begins more organically, which is why it makes more difficult when someone comes up to the pastor and is like, I'm going to be your friend. It's like, well, we'll see. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) I know, but I think you just, you kind of arrived at something with that because I'm not going to say this well, but like you're, you're not really beginning on a level playing field as somebody's pastor, because what you just described is I have to be able to come to you. This is called training in righteousness. This is called reproof. This is called correction at times. And I got to be able to have those hard conversations with you. And a true friendship can actually bear the weight of those kind of conversations. But I think the disadvantage of somebody coming to a pastor or a pastor trying to form a friendship with somebody is that it doesn't start with that level of equality because as a pastor, you can confront somebody who you don't have a great friendship with, but who is a member of your church and say, hey, here's some behavioral things or here's here's something that I, I feel like, you know, that was brought to atten- my attention that we need to discuss. And it's like, you don't have to do that to be really great friends. And in fact, it happens more that you're you're not great friends with them, but you're needing to have a conversation with them. So I just, I think like even, even from the beginning, there's like an inequality there. In, in a strange way, which yeah. I know is, I, I probably said that really wrongly and we're, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for even <laughs> phrasing it like that, but. Well, but there is this, a, um, yeah, what you might call kind of a, maybe power differential, you know, you know, differential. Power differential, which yeah, for sure. makes any kind of relationships, I suppose. It's why I say to single pastors, you probably shouldn't try to date within your congregation, right? You know, it's yeah, not necessarily real. that there's a, anything That'd immoral per se about it, but there's a, there's a, right. you know, aside from if it doesn't work out, now you've got this person that you're shepherding that's, you know. That needs to leave the church, right. likely. Fail, you know, failed remain, you know, how awkward that would be. But there's a power deferential there just For by sure. your position. Maybe that's a part of it. And yet it's still worth, I mean, we wouldn't say, right, that pastors shouldn't be friends with anyone in their church. Is that what we're saying? I don't well, think so. I, that's probably something you heard. I heard that. I remember, I remember hearing that from a pastor who's quite a bit older than me back in the day. And he said, if I can give you one piece of advice, like really, this This is is the one one piece. Yeah. He said, do not make friendships with people in your congregation. And so again, I'm, I'm younger and I'm, I'm just listening to this guy. And I remember thinking my first thought was like, 
That's ridiculous. Like, so on one hand, you're saying that what we need to do as pastors is form communities within our church. How can I form a community within the church without without friendship? Right. I, that just doesn't make any sense. And I think what he was saying, and again, he was a little more of an old school dude, but like, I think what he was saying was, hey, this has gone so wrong for me yeah, so many times burned. at some point. Yeah. He, right. And so he just said, basically, I had to bow out from that. It's not worth the risk. Like the hurt is not worth the, 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 the risk. And it's like, okay, I, I understand that. But I would say that we see more of a precedent in scripture for us knowing that we should be taking that risk. And any relationship, you're risking hurt, you're risking woundedness. Yeah. But I, I don't think that compels us away from it. We still push into that, right? Because it's, it's right. Because how else do we form like authentic community with people if we're not trying to form friendships. I mean, we do our best. It goes wrong a lot, right? It doesn't go good a lot, Yeah, you know, but it shouldn't necessitate us against it. So how does it happen then? How does a pastor maintain friendship? Let's just talk within the church. I think we can talk in a moment about those maybe outside, but what does friendship with people in your congregation actually look like? I think a big part of it And I think that's a really great question. I think a big part of it is a pastor letting people in the door so that they get to know you. And I think they need to see you without your collar on, so to speak, yeah. right? They, they just need to see you as a regular person who struggles with the same things they do, who has a lot of the same interests and likes that they do. I think there just needs to be that kind of time where they actually get like a, a snapshot into your heart that exists outside of the pulpit. So that they, they can just see you for who you are. So there's not this, so you start to level out that, what you called that power differential. You know what I mean? I think any way that you can do that, you can do that. This is what I've found is that I have to be the one that instigates that. Because most of the time, I mean, aside from the cliche, we're inviting the pastor and his wife over to dinner. I mean, that's one thing, right? But I think you have to intentionally invite people into your life and go, hey man, here I am. This is what it is. You want to hang out? You want to talk about other stuff than ministry? Yeah. I think people have to acclimate to you in those ways so that's, that there's something there that just begins to take away that that lack of equity and and form something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I always thought of it in terms of, of being myself. That maybe not, that's probably not the right phrase because it sounds like you're being fake otherwise or you're put. Or, no, but that's good but, though. Yeah. yeah, but I can breathe. Somebody that I can just kind of breathe yes, with, kind of sure. exhale more with. That's how I would kind of, Make those connections. Yeah, and I good. agree with you. I mean, the the hurt is worth the risk because I think the risk of not having friendships, yeah. maybe we should talk about that for a moment. What are the consequences or what's the – being a pastor can be extremely lonely. And, and, it, it, is. and it is. Even if you have other pastors alongside you, but especially if you don't, right? If, if you're kind of a solo pastor or you kind of have your own sphere of ministry where you don't have a lot of – that kind of connectivity around you. It's just a lonely place to be out front. What does friendship help us do or not do that not having friends becomes a liability for us? I mean, I, you know, I'm thinking in terms of some of these yeah. high profile falls, for instance. Totally. I was talking with my ministry class earlier today and they were asking about accountability and different things. Like how do we avoid moral failure and that sort of thing? And obviously, you can talk on the on the kind of the behavioral level or the accountability level yeah. of, 
how you conduct your counseling sessions and and how you set up guardrails and that sort of thing. But I think sometimes peeking under the hood of some of these high profile ministry failures, we see a neglect of their family or mm. their marriage relationship as as a huge part of that. But the other part is unhealthy ways of coping with stress, anxiety, fear of some kind, and and loneliness. There's yeah. an isolation that takes For place. Sure. So I remember as a part of this church once upon a time where the the elders had to fire the pastor and the thing that came up in one of those settings, and I don't know if I've told this story on here or not, but one of the things that came up was they asked about approaching this guy as a friend. They asked the elders, Mm. how come no one approached him as a friend? And they basically said, lead pastor guy doesn't, he doesn't really do friendship. Oh, and yeah. I thought, I mean, that may be his own choice or it could have been the weird consequence of somebody's yeah. lack of intentionality. But the isolation, the loneliness, I think, man, it just, it provides a breeding ground for all kinds of temptations. And that real friendships with people who actually know you and can ask hard questions, it's just so helpful for emotional health and spiritual totally. health to, to yourself feel a part of a real community, even on the yeah. friendship level. This episode is brought to you by Church Law and Tax. Church Law and Tax understands the realities of church work, helping thousands of churches stay informed and get equipped with comprehensive resources on legal, tax, financial, and risk management matters. Do you have a question on housing allowance? Need information on selecting church insurance? Looking for insights on what is or isn't unrelated business income? Or how about some guidance on how to properly receive charitable contributions? ChurchLawAndTax.com equips you for success with access to the most respected and knowledgeable attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, and risk managers guiding churches today. Get the practical information and timely coverage you need to keep your church up to date and lead your ministry with confidence. Join ChurchLawAndTax.com today. It's like, I think we, as pastors, we find ourselves like in the valley of the shadow of death so often. Like we, we find ourselves in the wilderness so often and a friendship, it's, it's like just having those moments where you're able to like drink from the well. Like you've, you've like found the, the water, you've, you've found like what you need to quench that thing that's causing you to be, to be so dry and to be dried out. And I think that's what a friendship does is it, is it just allows you to laugh. It allows you to not take yourself so seriously. It allows you to see that somebody cares about you and doesn't care if you're a pastor or not. And they're going to be there if you are a pastor or if you're not a pastor. I think we need all that stuff. And I think, I think what's so difficult is that everybody that's listening right now is experiencing what we're talking about. And if I can be vulnerable for like a minute here, I had a moment, I think it was two weeks ago. Man, I remember waking up and it was one of those mornings where I had a really full day and I didn't feel like doing any of it. And it was lonely. It's about 5.30 in the morning and I'm sitting there. It's dark out still. I'm kind of alone with the Lord. And I just was feeling so alone in them. This was a week and a half ago. And I know people. And I was fe- I had such a sense of there is nobody around right now for me. And I remember I just prayed and I said, Lord, I said, if you could put it on somebody's heart right now to even send me a, an email or give me a phone call at some point today, 
and just tell me they're thinking about me and praying for me, man, that I feel like that would help because I don't know who I can reach out to. And I know a lot of people. I know a lot of pastors. And sometimes you just find yourself in those moments. And it's not because you don't have friends, but you find yourself in a very lonely moment where you just wish somebody would come to you rather than you going to them. Sometimes you just need that. I mean, David spoke about that in the Psalms a lot. And it was the most amazing thing because I had this guy, this uh, this pastor, who I don't talk to very often. And literally a couple hours into this, I get this text message from this guy. And he said, hey, man, he goes, it's been a little while. I don't know what it was, but I was thinking about you this wow. morning. And I just wanted to reach out and see how you were doing, man. I miss you. We haven't chatted in a while. How are you doing? I was praying for you. And I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, there was an answer to prayer. Like, the Lord heard my plea. Man, it was something that small. And my point is that I think we can pray and we need to be praying that the Lord would bring people into our lives if they're far away and they they fulfill some measure of friendship. Like, man, me and you are friends and we live five states away and we encourage each other. I'm encouraged by you. We have text threads that encourage me. They they bring some lightheartedness into, into hard days. We do this podcast together. So like, man, you can have friends in, in all these different like areas of your life that sort of meet that that need. But I think we have to pursue it. We have to pray for it. And that was such a moment where it's like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I just, I just need somebody right now. And it was a text. It was just a short conversation, but it reminded me that God cares about the fact that I need friends. He cares about that. He is a friend. Jesus is our friend, but he also cares about us receiving that level of friendship that we have with him through others and so I think that's an encouragement, right, for pastors today is like, man, pursue friendship, pursue it through prayer so that God might bring those people into your life that you can be vulnerable with and take that risk. Help me to take a risk. Man, I'm kind of beat up. The friends thing hasn't gone well for me. Lord, don't let me shut off to that, yeah. right? That's good. We're not made to carry the burden alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, thinking about sort of co-laborers in ministry. So related to, you mentioned hearing from a guy who said, don't make friends with people in your congregation. Yeah. I've heard people say, don't become friends with the people you're doing ministry with. So fellow oh, man. staff members or, or other ministry leaders that you're working alongside, don't become friends with them, mainly because <laughs> it's harder to fire a friend. I remember this guy specifically saying that it's, it, it's harder to fire a friend. What do you think about that kind of wisdom. I, oh, I, I think it's ridiculous. I understand because the same, you yeah. know, because it is difficult. And I, I don't know about you, but I've had to fire a friend before, yeah. but it didn't occur to me like, oh, I should never be friends with the people I'm doing ministry with because <laughs> like I, I should have never been friends with them. Right. The I mean, place. I've done yeah. ministry yeah. with friends and I've been in ministry where I didn't have friends or, or felt like I did it. Oh man. And I much prefer being in the trenches with people that I enjoy being with and <laughs> yeah. know on a deeper level than simply that we're coworkers. Isn't that far preferable? I mean, isn't that the dream actually that we get to do ministry with, with our friends? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I know you're taking a risk, but I mean, if you get to a place with a person, like in a ministry context, where you have to let them go for whatever reason, whether it's a moral failure or a job performance, I mean, whether you have a friendship with them or not, why do we think that it's going to make it any easier or harder to <laughs> to sort of confront that situation anyway, yeah. right? Well, I guess because the idea is you're not just letting somebody go, you may be losing, if they're also a friend, you may be losing the friendship, 
And that's hard, and that's yeah, harder and than it, simply just losing a coworker or losing. Yeah, and that's getting into pragmatics because you know in right. a ministry context, if you're firing somebody, they're probably going to move away, and they're yeah, you know, yeah. So we're we're getting into some of those details, right? But to your point, though, yeah, I can't imagine just trying to keep myself at a distance from people I'm working with in order to mitigate some of the potentiality of like. I'm losing a friend or how bad is that going to be when we have to have some confrontation? I do think it's super tricky though. So it's a weird thing. If you're the lead guy, let's just say, for example, you're a lead pastor and you have a couple people that are working with you, whether they're on staff or they're deacons or something of that nature. I mean, I do think that that gets tricky because it's like, hey, so I just generally kind of, I, I kind of operate out of more of a friend than an authoritarian kind of level. I just do that because I just like... I like kind of buddying up with people a little bit, but I also know that there comes times where you got to go, okay, that thing I just told you, you sort of have to do that, right. <laughs> you know, because that's kind of what we're, what we're doing yeah, here. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I don't know if the friendship, here's an honest question. I don't know if having a friendship with somebody makes that harder or it makes it just more, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll go do that. I get it. You know, you're, you're the boss. <laughs> I, like, man, yeah. there is some trickiness with that, right? How do we navigate that? That's tricky. Yeah. But sometimes the conversations are easier to have if you're actually yeah. friends with somebody. And you discover if you're actually friends with somebody through those through those issues. That's true. Right? That's I mean, true. Yeah. I, I've, I've learned that people I thought were friends were not through things like that, where kind of the illusion is now being dispelled because of the way things have to work. But I think you're right. I mean, are we running a business? Are we building a business? Or are we shepherding a flock or are we leading a family, right? So if you think of the church primarily as some kind of religious enterprise that you're building or some kind of project that you're building, it probably doesn't make sense to be friends with people that you're working with. But if you're trying to lead a family and you're trying to shepherd a flock, it makes all the sense in the world that you're trying to model for the church what community looks like, what brotherhood and family looks like. And maybe that's the aim, like what you just said, because I mean, I'm thinking of context, right? And I'm thinking of, so I'm in a medium size to smallish church. We don't have a large staff and we have largely volunteer deacons that do a lot of our day-to-day things. So I think when you said the word shepherding, that might be a better way of looking at it because I'm thinking of somebody who happens to have a massively large church and a staff of 25 people. He's not going to be able to necessarily have friendships with everybody on his staff, but he can shepherd everybody on his staff. There is a friendship element and quality in shepherding that I think comes out. So I think if we aim to be shepherds, we're going to come off more like a friend than we are a CEO at the end of the day. Well, and sometimes, maybe you've had this experience as well, sometimes the best friendship. So like, I mean, I think one of my best friends in the world is a guy that I did ministry with. Neither one of us were paid. I was the lead guy, but I wasn't taking a salary. So there wasn't any kind of like, there just wasn't that kind of infrastructure in place. But we did ministry side by side, and I Mm. would not have had it any differently. But then was in a context where I felt like my best friendships were outside of the church for whatever reason. Because sometimes being yourself can cost you with with yeah. people in your church or, or you know again if there's I'm not talking about like sins that are disqualifying that would cost you your job but yeah it's just more difficult it's more fraught people don't know what it's like to be to be the pastor to be in your shoes so to have friendships outside especially with other pastors that was helpful for me in some really kind of lonely 
times as well. Cause there are people that I could, mm. I can call up and they may not know the exact situation, but they know very much like it because right. they understand. And so they're not feeling that there's some kind of pressure you're putting on them by sharing something. And because there's some things that if you're friends with people in your congregation or even on, on staff with sharing them, even if you're just trying to be transparent and vulnerable, yeah, people can take it a certain way or they feel pressure they can misconstrue, or they can misconstrue yeah. it or mm-hmm. it, it can feel like a complaint and, and that sort of thing. So sometimes like just the pastoral fraternity outside of yeah, your church, sure. that can be really helpful. I think anytime, I mean, I know it's not always available, but I think anytime a pastor can have friends inside and outside, I think that I always feel like that's the healthiest kind of model that they can pursue. Have some pastor friends that are, you know, maybe they're in your denomination, but you can speak freely with them, man. You've gotten to a place of trust with them. Or if you're part of a, a network, you know, you have people that like you're tied with them, but they're not tied in with your local ministry. So man, you can literally get on phone calls or hang with them. And man, it you guys can really be vulnerable with each other and just because you understand what the other person's going through and there's nothing lost and only things to gain by having somebody who really gets it. Yeah. I think anytime you can have that, that's, that's a strength yeah. for sure. And sometimes they're the best truth tellers for you because they have totally. no vested interest in the outcome of a particular decision or, or something like that, that there's no freight loaded in for them in terms of how it turns out they're going to be as impartial as possible an observer and somewhat objective about about certain things yeah Yeah, i just don't know how you get beyond i even think of jesus saying to his disciples i no longer call you servants because the servants don't know what the master's doing but i call you friends right and and if that is the model that jesus even with his disciples would say hey we, we are we are friends you're my brothers and we're friends you're not just the laborers for me, even though we are, even though we're slaves to Christ, bond servants of Christ, he calls us friend. I just think if that's how the Lord of the universe speaks to us, right? Why would we rob ourselves of that experience with, with others in the in in the? And church? it didn't always go great with him. I no. mean, hey, Peter, I don't know if I want to take this risk, <laughs> exactly, because you're a real volatile right, dude, exactly. I don't know, I don't know where you're going to be next this time next yeah. year, you know. And he was disappointed. He was certainly disappointed in the sense that we know Jesus can be disappointed, yeah. right? I mean, he was certainly let down yeah. by all those well, Yeah, guys. by all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, it yeah. was definitely, a, there was a power deferential in, in that, just in that friendship. Just, exactly. But they saw him at, at his worst moments, not sinful, of course, but at his sorrowful, at his tired, yeah. at his, they saw those things. He, he, he let them in. He didn't keep a kind of holy distance. And so I think he let them see the human side. of Yeah. Him, so, I mean, yeah, even sure. if, if the Lord needed that, or if the Lord chose to engage on that level, certainly I think it speaks to our need for it and, and desire for it as well. I'm thankful you're my friend. I'm thankful we're Dude, friends. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, we, man. we can engage uh, uh, on another epic text thread when this is all over. All as we, as we all always the things do. we should have said or, <laughs> We just get our wives, our wives are so encouraging about this pod that I think we just kind of feed off of their encouragement. So that's another thing to say to our listeners Mm. is you don't have to just be a pastor to uh, to enjoy the pod. That's right. That's right. right. Tell your friends. You've been listening to The Art of Pastoring.
If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.